I know I said I know I said last week that like when you're a teenager everything feels like heightened, but this was like a little too heightened for me. <laughs> Hi and welcome to episode Cine Nation. My name is Brandon Sparks. And I'm Thomas Horton. And here at Cine Nation, we love delving into genre and examining genre, the the tropes and the history. And for the month of July, we are gonna be discussing and delving into the genre of coming of age movies it felt very topical for the summer that's when a lot of these stories take place last episode we kind of broke down the genre and the tropes of it and so thomas like what are some tropes and kind of the like story types that uh occur in the coming of age genre yeah we talked about uh kind of clashing with your parents for sure especially in, in earlier stuff like rebel without a cause um something we we brought up is either the parents either factor into it really heavily or, or not at all or you, you see this kind of like some of them are just kind of presented as these like teen utopias where they don't have parents um yeah and then and then you see a lot of um you see kind of romance how important teenage romance really really feels to um to everyone uh, and yeah. then you, you have, um, and very kind of similar to what we talked about in our Texas movies, you kind of have these feelings of like being trapped in your hometown, uh, whether you're going to leave or not, you know, um, especially in American graffiti, it was, we had the two characters that was, one was like excited to go off to college and the other one wasn't ready to leave home yet. And by the, by the next morning that they had swapped completely. Uh, so you, you do get some of those. Uh, very similar to the Texas feeling we got like I can't I can't wait to get out of here I'm, I'm stuck here in this town I'm too big for this town everything like that it's good that you bring up the Texas genre because today's movie Splendor in the Grass feels very like a Texas movie but it's not set in Texas mm -hmm. like it's set in Kansas so we're discussing the 1961 film Splendor in the Grass today it's currently streaming on HBO Max and probably available to rent on Amazon or wherever you get your movies. So just so you know, we're going to be spoiling this movie a little bit probably when we're talking about kind of scenes and all of that. I've seen Splendor in the Grass um, twice before this this rewatch, and I watched it recently a few months ago, but it was interesting to watch it now and kind of the, the tropes that we're talking about. And so Splendor in the Grass was directed by Lee Kazan and written by William Inge, who wrote Picnic, the play, and uh, they wanted to make a, a movie together because they worked on a play before this. And that's kind of how Splinter in the Grass came to be at Warner Brothers. The cast is Natalie Wood. And I'll talk about more of like how this movie is important in her career. And then it stars Warren Beatty in his first uh, his first screen appearance. He actually only made done like one play before this and a few TV appearances. And this feels like a big role to do like out of the gate with your first your first film. Yeah, yeah, especially up against Natalie Wood, who's probably yeah. like the biggest teen star of the time. Exactly. So, Thomas, you'd never seen this film before. I'm not. What are your like initial thoughts on this film? Uh it's extremely it's extremely melodramatic and I don't I don't like to use Very much so. I don't like to use melodramatic as like a negative term. I think it's used too often because like movies are melodramatic kind of by definition plays or drama is melodramatic that's the whole point um but it does it, it kazan specifically is is you know we talked about this a little bit last week when we were talking about rebel without a cause and and kind of the stamp that he left on james dean kazan is all about like unbridled emotion like boom just let it all go and this movie just kind of 
is like a roller coaster ride. You hit these these points, and it's like this is insane, and then it it kind of drops <laughs> down. The the like pacing and the tone was just just kind of felt like all over the place for me. Um, it hit some like okay. just these insanely crazy, huge, dramatic moments, and it would just be like like the next scene is like two years later, and everybody's like, oh yeah, that was crazy. Like, <laughs> It it definitely speeds up at the very end of the movie. Mm-hmm. Like it jumps. Oh, I, I, from like, I had to pause it. I had to pause it. I, I, someone was calling me. I had to pause it. And and when I when I look back, I was like, I only have half an hour left on this movie. Half like what? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was it was funny that we were talking that you brought up that I brought up Texas movies because it struck me as, uh, if, uh, if Last Picture Show was not this like neo realist yeah piece the 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 yes. like very dry realistic piece that it is this is this is like the flip side of yeah last picture show and it's with kazan specifically just like let it all go 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 crazy yell scream boom it's the real it's the real like i, I don't know if i consider this era golden age of hollywood at this point because i think it's it was it's uh dying off but it's very much like the old traditional hollywood style doing the same similar like last picture show story in yeah. a way and i know i but also I like it, it's it, it felt smack dab in the middle of like switching over from like very obvious it was what 61 yes. it's like yeah. very obviously switching from the 50s to the 60s and that when you first start watching you're like oh there's natalie wood like i know her from these these 50s movies and then it's just immediately like overtly sexual and you're like oh yeah were they were they allowed to do this like it, it's it's right in that time when he, they were really kind of like shrugging off the haze code and you're just kind of like yeah. wow that is almost a full nude scene like yeah, yeah, yeah it's very very artfully shot but you're like damn this is we're in a new era for sure very much so so we showed this at one of our screenings uh here at sideshow books in la and back in february and this i i won't say this was the the it wasn't the the best received movie. It was a well received movie, and a lot of people loved it. They're like, I didn't know they could do this stuff before like sixty seven, sixty eight, when like the new Hollywood came in. Mm-hmm. And so it was we had this kind of long discussion about how films were pushing the boundaries long before Bonnie and Clyde came out. Mm-hmm. A lot of people assume like Bonnie and Clyde and The Graduate, and that's when everything changed. But when you're looking at movies like Splinter in the Grass, they're definitely pushing sex and kind of these taboos in terms of what's talked about on film and shown yeah i mean on film. It's, it's not the subtext that you've that you're used to from no. the 50s it is it is forefront it is all at the yeah. forefront nobody i don't think anybody says sex like you know there's there's all there's coded words but it is not anywhere near as coded as you would be used to watching the like golden age Hayes code kind of stuff yeah it, it is on I- the forefront I don't know of many movies that deal with sexual repression the way Splendor in the Grass does. I think like I think one of my one of my favorite scenes and not not I'll, I'll save like real favorite scenes for later. But this is yeah. like really speaks. To, <laughs> it felt very realistic, but also I don't think the guy was a was a great actor. But the scene, it's the doctor scene, the yeah, doctor scene. Warren Beatty's like <laughs> Warren Beatty's like doctor. My, you know, I'm going out with I'm going out with Natalie Wood, and 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 you, you know when I when I come home, I'm just not satisfied. And he's like, oh. And then he's like, and my dad says I should maybe start going out with another girl that might satisfy me. And the doctor's like, oh, I don't know about that. And it's... Yeah, he goes, oh, no, no, no. It's just, it's so, 
I, I clocked that too. I was like, man, the awkwardness of the scene. But like that I, scene. I, just, kind I don't of know sound- what note. I wonder what note Kazan gave that guy <laughs> headed into that scene. Because he's the, the, it's not just, it doesn't feel like he's acting uncomfortable. It feels like the actual actor is uncomfortable to be in that yeah. scene. I mean, a guy can go nuts that way. <laughs> well, uh, I, I don't know how to advise you, but. Uh, Well, my dad said uh, that I should get uh, another kind of a girl. Oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> but when you, when you don't really want another girl. <laughs> no. I don't know. Well... Come in again Friday, but I'll give you another shot of iron and uh, another sunlamp treatment. It sums up this conversation of, I guess, the changing norms of like the generations in some way. Is that that generation with the doctor and the parents are very like, they don't talk about sex. Sex is not a thing you do till marriage. And even in the mother, and uh, uh, Dini, who is played by Natalie Wood, Dini's mother is very much sees sex like a business transaction where it's like, oh, women don't like that. Like, and I only do it because your father like wants to do it. Like it's, it's the men that are, that are, that enjoy the act. We, women don't enjoy sex. Well, and I, I didn't clock if you said it earlier, but just to make everyone clear on this, it was shot in 60. I mean, it was released in 61, but it's set in 29, 20, right? 28 the- to like 1928 to like 1932 is when yeah, it takes so place. So it really is like, even more so than you think of like oh it's it's in the 50s and everything's repressed it's like really set in in a time when like but but also you had kind of the roaring 20s Uh, i think what it touches on a lot is this idea of like the roaring 20s just kind of very like barely peeking in on this little city in in kansas this little town in kansas like warren Beatty's older sister is a flapper like would identify as a flapper but she is she's like the only person in town who is really in on what kind yeah. of the roaring 20s is but but that that idea of like the the you know the culture of the roaring 20s has kind of started to bring more openness about sex to yeah. this town and because she her, the sister is coming from chicago um mm. because she like she dropped out of dropped out of art school and like was ma- married some guy and her father played by pat hinkle like is like no we gotta get that annulled um yeah so basically I only gave the, the, the brief plot of Splinter in the Grass, but Splinter in the Grass, as Tom as Thomas said, takes place in 1928, 1932. Mm-hmm. It is essentially about this young high school couple. Wilma Dean also goes by Deanie, who's played by Natalie Wood, and then Bud Stamper, who's played by Warren Beatty. The whole movie is kind of exploring yeah. these themes of a high school relationship and the sexual norms and kind of just like, what a i think specifically natalie wood's character is what how a woman should be because mm-hmm. natalie wood plays like three different like how three different versions of like a what people like an image of a woman does that make sense yeah like she's pl- like she's playing like starts off as a nice girl then it's like oh they didn't accept me as a nice girl let me be a bad girl then that that drives her basically insane and then it's like at the end it's this more mature uh refined woman and you've seen this kind of transition throughout the entire movie she has the biggest like 
change throughout. Oh yeah, compared compared to to Bud. So, brief history of the, how this film got made. It was uh, Elias and 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 Ainge had done a play together. Like I said, um, they Ainge wanted to do a movie. He he had written a play actually in 1953 called glory in the flower which is from the line that is used in this movie that takes that gets the name splendor in the grass Mm -hmm. and it's from the same william wordsworth poem and it's about two middle-aged former lover lovers who meet after a long estrangement so very similar and they're not middle-aged at the end of the movie but very similar to this kind of ending of this film uh and the character names the the male's character name was bus hmm not not Bud, and the female character was Jackie. Uh, that's how they got involved. It was produced by Warner Brothers. Natalie Wood, I really want to talk about this movie just because it's a very, I really love Natalie Wood as an actress, especially during this point. And Splendor in the Grass is probably the most important film in her career. And I think she's also very important in the genre of coming of age because I think she's one of those rare people and especially one of the first i think maybe outside elizabeth taylor at this point in hollywood where you literally saw her transition from child star to teen star to to woman Mm. through the films and splendor in the grass is kind of that representation of that where you're seeing that entire transition so she made rebel without cause in 1955 and the searchers in 1956 with john wayne it was small part but it was crucial after that, she had like a slew of flops, like didn't make anything that was financially successful or critically successful. She was upset with Warner Brothers and all the parts they were giving her. She thought they were terrible. So she wanted to kind of control the parts she took. So she refused anything they gave her, which resulted in Warner Brothers suspending her without pay for almost seven months. So she doesn't make a film in 1959 at all. Um, she arranged this new contract that allowed her to choose one movie a year and it could be for any studio. And she kind of came back for Warner Brothers. One of the reasons why, because she found out about Splendor in the Grass and she wanted to do this film because she knew she was at a point in her career. If she didn't have a hit and if she didn't showcase that she could actually be like a adult actress, she didn't have a career because she, she started off doing child acting roles in like Miracle on 34th Street and then transition to teen stuff with Rebel Without Cause. Um, and she really wanted to do this movie because it actually related to her life. Her mother is a very, was a very overbearing woman who controlled her relationships. There was one specific relationship Natalie would have when she was 15 of this young boy who like worked at a dairy farm with his father and they became engaged. And Natalie Wood's mom was just like, you can't marry that boy. He's going to hurt your career. Like, you want to be an actress, forces Natalie Wood to break off the engagement. Uh, the guy ends up, like, trying to commit suicide because of how, like, like how insane it goes. She won't talk to him because the mother gets involved. Ends up going to a mental hospital, which is basically, it's pretty much the story that's yeah. in this movie, except kind of the roles are reversed. Um, and that was why, when Natalie Wood took this role, she realized that it was going to open up old wounds with this relationship, which was something she never talked about to anyone. And she really worked, wanted to work with Kazan because when she was like, like before or before Rebel Without Cause, she saw a streetcar named Desire and was like, that's the type of movies I want to make. So when she found that Kazan was directing this film 
that had this role that was very much her life. She was like, I have to work with them because this he's like this movie God to her. So mm. that's how she gets involved. Beatty, like I said, had never done a film before. He was cast in this film because he had started a, bro- a failed Broadway play with Ainge. And then he made a few TV appearances, but that was it. Huh. Uh, and that's how this film kind of came together at the beginning of the 1960s. Also too, and, t- and this might be jumping ahead a little bit, but in terms of like the big transition for Wood, this is the same year she also did West Side Story. Oh, okay. So, so this is happening at the same exact time. Yeah, big year. So, uh, so that's the history. So, Thomas. Yes, sir. How, what were your favorite scenes in this movie? I don't, I don't know if you said directly that you liked this movie. I'm not entirely sure if you said that or not. Uh, I'm, or... I'm still, I'm still a little mixed. I'm still a little mixed. Okay. Okay. Um, and I, we can we can go into it a little bit more, but but you know, Kazan is Kazan is a is a is a beast of his own, and I don't know that it always pay, I don't know that his style always pays off, but we can come back to that. Okay. Um. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's just kind of wild. His his energy is so manic, um, in, in all of his stuff. But I think here, especially him specifically doing like teenagers. It, it it is on like full display and so there there are some parts that was just like wow this is like overwhelming that being said i think probably one of my favorite scenes is the ending yeah <laughs> because um <laughs> not not the, not that i'm like oh man i was happy when it was over um but like you you finally get to see both of them being very resigned and 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 a lot goes unsaid in that scene. So in the, in the final scene, um, Deanie Natalie Wood's character has has come out of uh, a, a mental hospital, has been there for two years. I think they said. Yeah, about yeah, yeah. And is is now engaged to a patient who she met there, who she formed a very deep bond with, and he's a successful doctor. And she's she's gone back home, and uh, Bud, whose family was rich, was part of the reason he wasn't allowed to marry her was because he yep. was rich she was poor has now lost everything in the depression and is living on a is living on a cattle farm and and she goes to visit him and she's you know extremely well dressed and he's all dirty from working in the field and she meets his his son and, and she meets his wife and there's all that it's very quiet it's played very quietly with just like shots of him looking at her and her playing with his son and there's all this unsaid about like this could have been us like yeah. look how far you've come like but almost like he almost root like destroyed her as a person and she's come out stronger than him now and yeah. and it's all left unsaid which is kind of rare for this movie yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but i think i think it's just incredibly well handled i i, I really liked all the stuff in the mental hospital with her too yeah. here's the thing and you were talking about she she was really excited to work with kazan i don't know so many people that kazan worked with were were people that he made you know, Kazan is is almost most often recognized as from his contributions to acting as much as like to filmmaking. And and a lot of the actors that we think of as Kazan actors are ones that like he got and molded completely. Yeah. And she's not. She's not a Kazan actor. And I, I don't no. know that they line up completely in this movie. Uh, I don't, I don't know that their styles line up. And so I think what I, what I really enjoyed the most was like getting to see her towards the end, kind of playing everything a little bit more resigned, which was more out of his style. Yeah. I think with this movie with her, I, I, I do love this movie. 
but this is one when I think when we played, I was very much like when we played it at Sideshow, I was like, the first half, I'm like, I wonder if people are getting what's happening, if can can deal with what's happening. It is very melodramatic. And her character, I don't think really starts working. And you might disagree with this scene, but it's it's the bathroom scene mm. when she goes off on her mom. It's when the, the movie literally just shifts and her character shifts and you start to see more of a mature Natalie Wood. Mm-hmm. But I'll come back to that later. But yeah, the ending scene, I think, is the best scene in the film because of all the reasons you're saying. Because also it's the one where like it feels like the most relatable scene because you're seeing two former, I won't say lovers, but two former people who loved each other. I guess the two lovers, two former lovers who are meeting and seeing, as you're saying, what their life could have been like together. Like Nat, like Natalie would, she is at this point too. Danny is like engaged to be married and getting married, like within a month. And there's something about when she shows up, she's expecting him to be single and she's willing to leave this fiance of hers to be with him. That's what it feels like when she, it's when he, when he, when she finds out he's married, it's like, Oh, this is not going to happen now. And I thought I like, she had built something up in her head. Like, do you think she was going there expecting to be with him? I don't know. I'm not sure what she was expecting. Cause it, it's kind of weird. Like her, her mom is, is like, Hey, you should go see him. He's like poor now, and and then she goes. No, her, her, no her, her mom doesn't want her to see him. I thought because it. I felt like I got the impression like when they were in alone together in the room, her mom was like, "Oh, you should go check on him." And then she went down and told the friends like, "Oh, don't let her near him." I, I okay, maybe I read that wrong because I was like, "This she, mom is she, weird, she, man." She, no, because she says like, "Oh, like he's poor now." I think he. I don't know where he moved to. I don't know where he is. I think he might move to Tulsa with his mother. Mm. So it's like she's oh, okay. very much yeah. lying to her about where he is because she doesn't want her to go see him. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I I think she's. I think she's still very conflicted. Like when she's up, when she shows up there. Um, yeah. But I, I mean, she's she she knows she's she's heard that it's not going to be this like mansion and, and everything that she expected, and and we can see that she's now like you know, there's that moment when her mom's like, "How much did this dress cost?" We're like, "Oh, she is like a." as as like above your raisins as as we call it down here um but uh yeah i'm i'm not sure what she intended on going in there but that i think that's what i kind of really love about that scene is is seeing her kind of handle the shock of it all yeah. as as she's kind of taking it in well it's weird cuz like you see her revert back to a younger self in that scene at the beginning cuz you have this moment when when Beatty walks up and sees her and she like runs towards him like she's so excited to see him and he doesn't reciprocate that he stands still even though i think he's like he he wants he's happy to see her she's still in that mindset maybe that there's something between them and he knows that like he's married and has a kid and there's nothing there mm. i married uh, angie when i left new haven you know, you know i didn't even finish my first year in school there She's real nice. Well, she was wonderful to me when things started to go wrong. You're happy, bud. I guess so. I don't ask myself that question very often, though. How about you? Well, I'm getting married next month. 
Are you, Danny? A boy from Cincinnati. I think you might like him. Chief, things work out awful funny sometimes, don't they, Danny? <laughs> yes, they do. I hope you're going to be awful happy. I like you, bud. I don't think too much about happiness either. Now, what's the point, God? You got to take what comes. Yes. Glad to see you again. Thanks, bud. I agree. It's like it's this when she goes in, like sees the baby and meets the wife, and the and there's also interesting uh, interesting moments with the wife because the wife is like sees her as she's very fancy in her dress, but the wife is like working class, like make like making baloney. It looks like something like something on the fryer, mm -hmm. like just and she's like kind of like and she even like looks down at her dress once Deanie leaves, where it's just like, oh god, this guy might leave me for her. Cause it's very much like she, she is like worried. This guy's her husband's ex lover has come back into his life and this might be it for them. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Well, and speaking of that, that was another scene I, I really liked was the two of them meeting. Um, yeah. Beatty meeting the woman that would become his, his wife. He's, he's very, it's, it's, he's, he's almost failed out of Yale and he's really missing being yeah. home and he's drunk at this Italian restaurant and meets the, the waitress there. And they have this like clash, like culture clash talk where yeah. she's like, hey, let me make you a pizza. And he's like, what's a pizza? And she's like, where are you from? <laughs> um, but she, I, I thought she was really good in both scenes. She um, was. And, yeah. and that was they had a really kind of nice connection between the two of them, I thought. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I really like Beatty in this, too. Uh, and and I think it's very obvious from the rest of his career that Kazan didn't didn't really have the like impact on him that he had on some of his other like young male actors. Well, well, Beatty said I think he had a impact on Beatty, but not in an acting form. I think because Beatty would say he had a huge impact on his directing mm. and producing. Yeah, was that when he was because you're looking at like sixty one, and then uh, Bonnie and Clyde is like sixty seven. I think mm -hmm. is what it is. So you're looking at a guy who is learning what Kazan is doing with this type of material in this kind of Midwestern uh, setting, which is kind of what Bonnie and Clyde ends up becoming, where it's pushing more boundaries like this film is. So I think he's learning from Kazan, but not in the acting form and more of like where to put the camera and the directing style. Mm -hmm. But no, Beatty, for, a, for, for the dude's first film... Beatty is really good in this movie. Yeah, you, you really get the feeling. You really feel how conflicted he is. Yeah, he, he's so flighty in this movie, and 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 it would be easy to just be like, oh man, that guy's a he's a teenager. He just doesn't know what he wants. But he he does give you the feeling that he's being just kind of pulled back and forth by his dad. Yeah, and by what his family wants from him, and seeing the way that that his sister's life has turned out by her being, you know, quote unquote loose and what that's yeah. led for her. 
and he really does love Deanie, but his dad's like, nope, no, that's not going to happen, man. And uh, yeah, I, I, I really liked him, too, in the scene when, when Deanie's in the hospital and he's trying to get into the room to see her, even though I yeah. was little. That was that was the point where it was like she's in the bed and she's like tossing side to side. And she's like, oh, but oh, yeah, but, yeah. she's like, I, I, I hear someone. Someone's here. Yeah, that, no, that's no, yeah. the point when I'm like, oh, man, someone other than Kazan would have been like, let's let's take that back a little bit. And he's like, no, go for it. Thrash, <laughs> thrash in the bed a little bit harder. <laughs> um yeah i thought i thought Beatty was great in that scene and, and the mom is like i never want to see you again and and he's like i still love her i want to get married i don't care what anybody says um yeah he was he was really good in this i think you know i agree um the scene i want to discuss bring up is the bathroom scene when when natalie wood's in the tub and like freaks out with her mother I love this scene because I think it's the it's the I think it's the first moment where Wood just kind of goes unhinged in the movie and and you might not like it. Something about where it feels like she's just like the relationship between her mother and her has come to a head. And this is the moment where it happens, because I think it's right after this where she she freaks out in the bathtub and starts yelling at her mother like, no, I'm still the nice girl that you always wanted me to be um not no one's touched me and goes off and then i think the next thing is when she cuts her hair mm. and so it's the beginning of the transition of i guess i don't i won't say from child to it, it it's it's this is the transitional moment when like she's going from the nice girl to the bad girl yeah where she's becoming yeah she 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 takes on this like i'm I'm going to be the exact I've been trying so hard to be this type of person. I'm going to be the exact opposite now. And it and it doesn't end up working out for her and it and it, yeah. it cracks her even further, I think. But uh, yeah, but yeah, you have you have this point. And, and, and I think it plays into a lot of like her watching Bud's older sister. You know, she she's the one that everyone in town sees and and she's she's trying to emulate that, too. Uh, but yeah, I mean, a lot of lot of uh energy from here into last picture show like we talked about you know all these like the par- parents coming in and not knowing how much they're messing up their kids with their advice yeah. both her mom and bud's dad just being like hey here's how i did it as a as a teenager so it should work for you too yeah. and it's just like no you don't want your kids to turn into you <laughs> like i feel like it, in terms i don't know oscar clips were played when the oscars were in, uh, were happening in 1961 but that feels like the clip they play <laughs> of natalie wood in the bathtub that's i don't know man that's pretty risque show. dude that's that's the one i'm talking about they, they're doing he kazan is doing some very creative framing oh, and yeah, blocking she, to yeah. to not show natalie wood fully nude in that scene yeah it's you see a lot of just like bare back and i think they actually cut because it cuts from her running out of the bathroom and then she's like laying on the bed mm-hmm. and you see like you don't really see anything, but it's 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 definitely implied because you see her like bare legs that she's like naked on the bed. Yeah, right that, there. that was the moment. I mean, throughout the movie, there's all this like getting into cars and necking and everything. And I was like, what year is this made? Could they do this? And then that scene happened. And I was like, damn, this is a this is a new era. This is. Yeah, we're, we're out of the Hayes code. I'm sorry I've troubled you. I didn't want to worry you. I didn't want to worry anyone. Is it all on account of because of Bud? Because he doesn't call for you anymore? I don't know. I don't know, Mom. 
I have a mind to call that boy and tell him. Don't you dare! anything serious happened? Did he... Did he spoil you? Spoil? <laughs> did he spoil me? No! No! No, Mom! I'm not spoiled! I'm not spoiled, Mom! I'm just as fresh and I'm virginal like the day I was born! I think what is great in that scene and it just depends on if you again as you said it's very melodramatic this is the weird part of watching a film from 61 and present day is that our sensibilities aren't the same as they were back then. So to us, it might seem very over the top, but at that point in time when it came out, it was seen in a very different light. Um, maybe it was just, it was like very acting, if that's the the way to kind of describe it. But it was it was very, like you're saying, it's it's a very transitional moment, and this is a film that isn't really talked about in terms of the transition of of content and how and hollywood at this point yeah i mean and yeah you know it's it, and it's tough when you watch older movies because you're like oh this was very progressive for its time but still yeah it's like you watch this and she's she's trying to kill herself and it just keeps like repeating bud's name over and over again and you're like oh come on like people people back then might have been like wow she was so she was driven so crazy by the fact that he wouldn't sleep with her that she's gonna kill herself mm -hmm. and it's just like eh, i don't i don't know about let's give her a little bit more credit than that but no uh, i agree but i mean it works it, is it works in the context it's just a little bit much well this is the thing it's it's you're seeing movies that were i think especially with kazan directing that feel very influenced by like the works of tennessee williams at this point because mm. what because a lot of studios were making like williams-esque movies because streetcar and desire was such a huge hit and i feel like splendor in the grass is coming at the tail end of that like i won't say movement but tail end of that trend and so it's i do feel like that's kind of a, that kind of culture and style is infused in this film and moving on from the bathroom scene a few other scenes i wanted to say i really love the scene when she reads the wordsworth poem when she reads the yeah. Oh, it's on Imitation of Immortality by William Wordsworth. And that's like, I think you're seeing her breakdown because she's starting the, the beginning of the breakdown because she's found out that that Bud is now seeing this is like the flapper character in the school, like the one who's the young teenager who's like more in tune mm -hmm. with the the Yeah, she's, the, she's the one that everybody, she, everybody on the football team dates her. Like she's... Exactly. Mm -hmm. Because she's the one that sleeps around, basically. She's, she's a sure thing, that, I think, is the term yeah. that they used to use. Yes, that's the term that they used to use. 
Uh, and so Danny like is now like talking about this reading this poem in class, and it's just kind of you're seeing the cracks in the armor, I guess, with the character of Danny in this moment. And I think Natalie Wood plays it incredibly well. Though nothing can bring back the hour of splendor in the grass, glory in the flower, we will grieve not. Rather find strength in what remains behind. Now, perhaps you can tell me exactly what the poet means by such expressions as splendor in the grass and glory in the flower. Well, I think it has some... Yes? Well, when we're young, we look at things very... Idealistically, I guess. And I think Wordsworth means that, that when we grow up, that we have to forget the ideals of youth and find strength Another scene I want to talk about, there's, it's two scenes, really. It's the the New Year's Eve sequence when um, his sister, Jeannie, is drunk and is essentially being surrounded by all these mm. men. It's a very dark scene because essentially... Men who are also the age of her like father. Her father, yeah. but yeah. It's, it's essentially it play it's it's the beginning of a rape scene basically mm. is what it is because and what kazan does and he brings it back up later so that's why i want to talk about these two scenes and as, as a pair is he brings this like very for a lack of a better word seductive jazz music in the score mm, yeah and it comes off as like a a wolf creeping or, or coming for its prey basically where these men are the wolves and the women are the prey. And it plays like when you hear this sound, you know, like bad stuff's about to happen. Right. So in that scene, you have his sister essentially is she, she hits on one of the guys she's drunk and all these men kind of surround her. And it's like, Hey, let's get out of here. And the guy's like, yeah, let's go. And he takes her to like a car and all the men follow and watch basically. Mm -hmm. And that's when Beatty comes in and beats up, gets into a fight with all the guys and breaks it up. And then that theme is repeated when Natalie Wood has turned into that type flapper character and Toots, uh, like Beatty's best friend in the movie, he's doing a similar thing where he's like, she's now like, she's vulnerable because she's had this blow up with Beatty. And he now puts her in the car, starts to kiss her and then takes her to like the the makeout spot and that seductive jazz music comes back in and you're now aware oh this is what's about to happen yeah because it's been it's been cued earlier on with the previous and, scene and he proceeds to assault her he does yeah and and <laughs> this is this is awful but the she she keeps saying no 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 and then the only thing that stops him is she says no bud and he's like what bud and it's like yeah. <laughs> screw you dude <laughs> But I guess because because of that music cue, 
you are aware of what's about to happen. Yeah. It feels kind of like um, Bernard Herrmann's score to Taxi Driver in the way that it's like, if you take it completely away from what you're seeing, if you take if you just listen to it away from the images, you're like, oh, this is some nice jazz. But then when you when you see it's meant to be like the seediness of the city and, and just yeah. how, you know, the all the, the, the immorality of, of jazz in the city and all that kind of stuff coming in. And, and, and I'm sure that's what it's, it represents here is is the kind of roaring 20s coming in and, and yeah. infiltrating this city for good or for bad. Another scene um, is the scene right before that when she actually has the blow up with with Bud mm-hmm. and they have and she just kind of like essentially breaks down in front of him of just like why don't you want me I'm na- I'm being the person that you're going after now why won't you just like have me I'm trying to give you what you want and you won't even take me now and so it's that sh- it's this it's hitting on this like this um confusion that is present in a lot of teenagers of trying to please someone and being rejected and you're like so what do you want like what what can i give you to make you like love me and that's i think what danny is like going through in this moment it is very it is very melodramatic and very and very uh roller coastery i guess you could say yeah I don't know. That that was one of the scenes where I was just like, why can't Bud just tell her, hey, my parents won't let me be with you. That's that's it. Like, there's a couple of times it's kind of like that rom-com trope where you're like, if you guys would just talk to each other for a second, all of this would be solved. Do you but do you think that she would understand that, though? I don't I don't know. Like, I don't know, but maybe it would give her a little bit more peace of mind than than thinking that he hates her when he doesn't. Please. Come on, cut it out. Now, bud. Dini, you're a nice girl. I'm not. I'm not a nice girl. Come on, cut it out. I just can't go on like this anymore. Now, come on, Dini. We're gonna go back inside. No. Come on. No, I don't want to go back inside. Dini, come on. I want to stay here with you. Dini. I want you. No, this isn't the way it should be. Why not? Why not? Why don't you love her? Why don't you? Where's your pride? set life so what if i told you this wasn't shot in kansas no way (laughs) where do you think it was shot uh like 20 minutes outside of la (laughs) no it was shot in new york state uh they were supposed to shoot in kansas but there was a massive drought in the state so they shot in new york state instead um natalie wood hated warren Beatty on set apparently a lot of people thought Beatty was immature because he did whatever he wanted because he was this young kid. 
Uh, Wood soon asked if Beatty could not enter her dressing room because she could not stand him. Because they had like, it was a lower budget film than what Wood had worked on before. And so their makeup rooms were like together. Mm -hmm. And she was like, can you make sure he's not in the room when I'm in the room, basically? Uh, she gave him the nickname Mental Anguish. <laughs> and everyone on, everyone on set used that when referring to him and then shortened it to M.A. She would later like respect his talent as they got more into the the movie. But she was like really worried that their love scenes would not play well at all because of how much she did not like him on set. And that will come back into play later on. So and that so we'll, uh, there's this thing about Kazan that happens in this movie because Wood loved Kazan and wanted to work with him and he's kind of considered this great actor or this great director who got a lot of great performances out of his actors but he kind of like wasn't the best in terms of safety like he was kind of a manipulator so basically he would Natalie Wood was deathly afraid of water was afraid of water her entire life she didn't want to swim and. Because her mother had this, like, a psychic told her mother when she was young that her second daughter will die of drowning mysteriously, which is what ends up happening in her life. So because of that, Wood was always afraid of water and said, like, hey, can we make sure, like, you have a, a stunt double for the scene when I jump into the water and try to commit suicide? And Kazan's like, yeah, yeah, we'll do that. They get to the day, goes, hey, I hired a stunt double. She can't swim, so you have to do it now. Ugh. Which was a lie because the stunt double could swim. Because Lair, the stunt double, sued Kazan. And I think Natalie Wood, because Natalie Wood went on and said on like, talk shows that the stunt double couldn't swim, which hurt the stunt double's huh. reputation. Aftermath and awards. So like I said, it was a big year for Natalie Wood. West Side Story was released the same year. Natalie Wood was nominated for Best Leading Actress in this film for Splendor in the Grass. And many assumed she would win, but it ended up going to Sophia Loren for, this, for the film Two Women. And this was the first time an actress won for a non-English speaking role. Oh, wow. Um, William Inge would win the Oscar for best original screenplay for this film. Uh, West Side Story was nominated for 11 Oscars and won 10. And Wood was, as I said, it was bittersweet because Wood was not nominated for West Side Story, but instead for this film. Don't know if she would have won for West Side Story or not. I'm not entirely sure. But it's it, it. I guess people thought because she was in both these films the same year, that's why she would possibly win the Oscar. Because it's like kind of a, you did two great performances this year. You deserve this. And that didn't happen. Um, after the filming, she was getting a divorce from Robert Wagner and started dating Warren Beatty for a bit. Because... <laughs> they 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 uh met uh, met again on the press tour for splinter in the grass and he was at the end of an engagement with joan collins and she was getting divorced they kind of just like said let's start seeing each other um what worked about this movie uh i mean i think both the leads worked really well um yeah i think the uh the two parents the mom uh Deanie's mom and bud's father uh were both both ended up well at, at the beginning i thought they were both a little kind of all over the place but that is also just kind of the energy of the movie and it got a little bit more focused towards the end and uh and and both of them i was i was very impressed by them so i mean I, you know once again with kazan cast i think cast overall is is going to be the strength of it um the score yeah like you said the the score 
was was really interesting and really well done to kind of have this this jazz and a little bit more uh, like you know i was saying earlier this the, the jazz kind of represents the roaring 20s but it's important it's not like 1920s big band jazz it was much more contemporary yeah, yeah. kind of 60s um yeah jazz, like a like a smaller quartet kind of thing that's there's some things that, that worked for sure um oh wow i think the set wow, i think the, the, the setting was was well done for being new york at, i i i i uh believed it was kansas i love that you're just like i i i like i like the yeah i like that yeah cast the cast was good cast was really good how how do you feel about the sister uh jenny or Jeannie. Um, yeah, she was great. I was I was sorry to see her kind of disappear from from the movie yeah. like a third of the way through. But uh, but yeah, I, I, I liked her. I liked her kind of facing off with the with the dad in a couple. They had some really good scenes. Yeah, and the other thing too, you're talking about when Natalie Woods character Danny transitions to like that character, she ends up singing the same song that Jenny is singing. A lot of the times, she's with other men, like uh, uh, whatever happened to Mabel or whatever. Mm-hmm. And Natalie, when she's cut her hair and doing makeup, she's singing the same exact song. Um, yeah, that was Kazan's wife, Barbara Loden. Yeah. She she didn't do a lot of movies, apparently. Uh, she did do a, a film called Wanda that she directed, and people considered her the female John Cassavetes because it was like an indie film that she had made. Okay, here's the big question for you, Tom. <laughs> what didn't work about this movie? Little little problematic in its treatment of the female characters, I think. Yeah, I don't know. It, 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 I think more so because I it's something that I, I talked about with my girlfriend a lot when we watched Last Picture Show, like whether or not the, the depiction of uh, JC is problematic. Is, is yeah, she yeah. depicted as a villain? I don't think she's depicted as a villain. I think she's shown as like a child who is has been led astray by adults. Um this one just i i'm not i'm still not sure i'm still sorting through my feelings of the way women are treated in this movie and i i know we're not supposed to be i know we're not supposed to be on board with the way women are treated in this movie but i do think we're supposed to give it a little bit more leeway than i'm comfortable (laughs) and and i mean i know we're judging a different time and everything but that that was just kind of i I came away feeling a little dirty watching this movie are we talking about like are we talking about how like because I, I do the big that's the big thing that kind of can irk certain people is that like the Deanie becomes so emotional because Bud is broken up there she goes into a mental hospital yeah yeah like, on the surface that sounds very like problematic I, I was I, I was rolling you. my eyes a little bit during that part and that's and that's kind of also has to do with like I said the way Kazan directs actors where knowing Wood and knowing her talent it felt outside of her range and it felt like something she as an actress would normally choose to do the way that she played it sometimes mm-hmm. and yeah but also just from like a story standpoint like oh that guy dumped her and she tried to seduce him and he and he turned her down so now she's literally insane, insane. and everyone yeah. and everyone just being like yep that's what happens um yeah. and i mean i was very happy to see in the end that she's the one who turns out being well adjusted and, and all of that yeah, yeah but you know two years in a mental institution because this guy dumped you in high school just feels feels like a little for the mo- for it's very problematic nowadays yeah, it, just yes, feels, it feels like a little bit much but it I, i'm not defending the era of the time but it does feel very of its era of like again this is going with the I, which we've talked about with rebel that cause where it feels like it's 
it's adults writing for kids. Yes. Yeah. And this is the example of that. Yeah. Where it feels like, of course she would go to the mental hospital if her guy broke up with her. Yeah. It's very much like what a a specifically a, a older male perspective thinks would happen. I know I said I know I said last week that like when you're a teenager everything feels like heightened, but this was like a little too heightened for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Um yeah, and I just think kind of the way we, I'm, it's it's. I, I I need to I need to rewatch this movie and like dig into it a little bit deeper. But it's it's at this point where it's it's kind of going like, oh look how wrong these guys are for treating women like sex objects. But then it's also like not fully going that far. And the movie in itself, from a from a voyeuristic point of view, mm-hmm. is the camera sometimes feels like it's treating them as sex objects. So I'm not sure like where I'm supposed to stand on it from like the way that it's, it's, it's acting and the way that it's shot. Sometimes I'm not sure where the movie stands. I'm not sure what I'm supposed to feel about it. The here's the question I have is, do you think, cause I feel like, so bud care, bud, bud has some problematic moments. Like there's the moment when he like tells Dean, like get on her knees and like beg him, Mm -hmm. which is very just like, Oh, this is this is very A, it's dark. B, it feels so it's different for the time period. Mm. It doesn't feel like a 1961 moment where literally a guy says, get on your knees and tell me you love me, and like pushes her down. It's very like But then the question that you have is, and I don't know what Kazan was trying to say in these these moments, was was it that Beatty's character was being told what a man should be. Yeah, does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, that's that's like, where that's, that's where I, I that's where I'm it's, I'm really confused with this because there's definitely like like I was talking about with with Last Picture Show. You've you've got these scenes that's showing you that like the old generation and the 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 adults are leading these people astray, and yeah. and if everyone was just a little bit more open with each other, things would be better. But then there's other times where like 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 you're feeling where you watch it and you're like, I I understand that the movie is showing us this lesson. But I like especially with Bud, like sometimes I just don't know where Bud stands. And and we're supposed to feel like, oh, he loves her, but his dad won't let them be together. And his dad is telling him to go. sow his wild oats, as they say. But then there's other times you're like, no, he seems like he wants to be doing this like completely. And he doesn't really care about deanie that much um so yeah i I, i'm not sure i'm just i'm just unclear at like exactly what this movie is saying i think um and and i've got a good idea of it but i'm I'm, i I guess i'm more unclear of like how it's saying it because i think in in the end it's definitely saying you know deanie came out the most well-adjusted by in the end learning to be herself and follow her own heart but did she have to do like, is the movie saying that she needed to do go completely insane and do two years in a mental institution to find that? I don't, <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure. And then the other thing, if we're talking things that did not work, what I text, what I teased early and what I texted you about is the, the scene in the suicide is there, you know, there's a thing within filmmaking, which is called day for night. You shoot outside, preferably when it's cloudy out and then you tint everything blue and the idea is that it makes it look like nighttime, but it was a extremely sunny day when they shot day for night for that scene. <laughs> and if they had not been cutting back to 
because they they keep cutting back during that action to bud going to Deanie's house to like check on her and it's like night it's night and then they keep cutting back and you're like the sun is very obviously shining and there's shots of them jumping into the water and like the blue sky is reflected in the water and i I just texted you i was like this is this might be the worst day for night i've ever seen in my life but um day for night is very no one ever really pulled off day for night well it's one of those things that like everyone accepted within filmmaking for a very long time at that yeah i'd say at that point i think today a little bit different but at that point it was uh yeah i would like to go yeah that might be a medium article we're we're 10 good day for night scenes but yeah that that was not one of them for sure like i i would have if they hadn't have been cutting back to bud going to check on her i would have thought oh they've stayed out all night and it's like 6 a.m now yeah i would have and i probably would have just bought that but then they keep cutting back to like in the town and it is pitch black like very obviously shot at night and um, yeah and i mean i I appreciate we talked about him not being safe on set i appreciate they didn't shoot this like stunt heavy swimming scene in pitch black night but uh yeah it looks it looks it looks a little rough it was shot by boris kaufman though who also shot 12 angry men Mm -hmm. and a lot and i think shot on the waterfront which he won an oscar yeah. for i mean i honestly think it would have been better if it if it was cloudy which is ideal to shoot day for night on a cloudy day but I, I i'm not i think something probably happened with their scheduling or what i'm sure they knew that they needed it to be cloudy and for some reason they just had to shoot on a beautiful sunny day so alternate universe cast for one kazan kazan always wanted wood what was in like his top three choices uh, at one point, though, he thought that maybe he should not cast her because she was a has-been child actor. That was the quote that was used. Yeah, I, I mean, that, like, will people buy her as a like sexual teenager? That's that's yeah. It's that's always tough when when people are making. I mean, I feel like every child actor has had to try to make that jump, and some do and some don't. And she, at this point, this is a what was said about the movie is that she Natalie Wood wore a, a lot of heavy makeup in the fifties and the late in the late mid fifties to late fifties. And what Kazan did was basically say like, Hey, stop putting that much makeup on. Let's like put it down to like a small amount. And he, the makeup artist they used, I think ended up being like Wood's makeup artist for the rest of her career, because that became like the look that Natalie Wood would have for the rest of the sixties. Um, so in a lot of Kazan's and Kazan's original notes, he listed Natalie Wood, Lee Remick and Jane Fonda for the role of Deanie and Fonda apparently had an audition or screen test of some kind for the role. Uh, she said that when he asked her if she was ambitious, she said, no, because she thought that's what Dini would say, and she feared that that's why she didn't get the part, or felt that's why she didn't get the part. Um, for Bud Stamper, apparently Dennis Hopper was considered for the role. That makes sense. That was a yeah good time for him. Yeah, coming off. I mean, it's a few years after Rebel Without Cause, with that, a few years after Giant. Um, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, interesting facts about the movie that I haven't talked about. Uh, the first Hollywood film to show a French kiss between Bud and Juanita, who's like the flapper character when they're making out under the waterfall. Pat Hengel was only 13 years older than Warren Beatty, and he played his father. 
Also, too, right before shooting was set to begin, Pat Hingle suffered devastating injuries when he accidentally fell 54 feet down an elevator shaft in his apartment building. It would take Hingle over a year to fully recover from the accident. In the meantime, he decided to go ahead and do the film and just added the limp as a part of the character because he's limping throughout yeah. the movie mm -hmm. and says that, like, oh, like, I could have played football. Or I had to stop playing football because I... I fell and broke my leg. And Hingle said, I broke everything. I landed upright, so I broke hips and knees, ankles and ribs. That lurching walk that A Stamper has, that was as good as I could walk at that point. Wow. It was, I said, it was Warren Beatty's screen debut. It was Sandy Dennis's screen debut. Also, Phyllis Diller, her screen debut as the, uh, the, uh, the nightclub, like, MC. Mm in new york when she jokes that uh it was hard getting here because all the men fall from <laughs> the skies yeah oh yeah i like you know what shout out that scene i like that scene it's a good uh, scene because it's yeah it's it's that energy of and i i think we can all i think we can all relate to that the energy in that scene you know given things happening currently but all these all these people like who are very obviously about to be just absolutely crushed by the depression like hanging out at a nightclub having a good time laughing about it like not just not yet grasping what the extent of it is yet. They're all rich people who are just like, oh yeah, it's not going to hurt us. And Hangle is like in a moment where like he realizes it's over for him. I mm -hmm. think at that moment in time where he's like, that's when his voice gets really raspy. Like you want that girl? Let's go get that. He's like, like trying to like essentially like, he tries to pimp out. He tries to to uh, hire one of the nightclub dancers to have sex with the son. Mm -hmm. As like weirdly, it's like he thinks maybe his final gift to his son. He says, "Oh, she looks like Deanie," and basically says, "Oh, like every girl's kind of the same." Like it's a very like again, it's Beatty is seeing that his father is like not the perfect person to be looking at for advice in terms of women and how he views women. Yeah, she does look a little bit like the Little hell, hell, a little exactly same damn thing, exactly same damn thing, just as pretty, just as pretty. You've never been fair to me, on. I did that for your own good. How'd you like to be married to her now? Did you ever think about that? Ever think about that? How'd you like to be married to Dini and her in that institute? Did you ever just think about that? How'd you like it? How'd you like it to her in that institution? What, what the hell difference does it make? That's the same thing. That's the same thing exactly as just as pretty. Just as pretty. You look up at that. Just as pretty. You want that? You want it, son? Son, you want it? You can have it. You can have it, boy. I'll get it for you. You can have anything you want. Anything you want, boy. This world is your oyster. Hey, you sit there. I'll show you. You sit right there. I'll show you. You sit, sit there now. I'll show you. Story questions. Uh, well, one I had, would a psychiatrist actually tell Deanie, hey, you know, it'd be good. Go see that 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 guy yeah. who like, put you here. Yeah. And that would make everything that better. That, like destroyed you. Go check on him. Yeah. You know, go check on him because maybe that'll bring you closure. I don't, I'm not so sure. The analyst type stuff in this movie is definitely not how we feel about like psychiatrist and, and, and a uh, therapist. Um, and then the last question I have, do you think they see each other again after the final scene? I don't think so. I think, I think they're, they're like questions have been answered. Um, yeah, I think they're kind of done with each other. 
do you think one of them wants to see the other person again? I mean, I think I think Bud is definitely like realizing he made a mistake, but I also get kind of the feeling in the end that he's happy. Yeah. I, I do get kind of the feeling that they're both like, okay, life has not gone the way we expected it to, but I think they both recognize that they're, you know, it's it's obviously been really tough for him. He lost his father, he lost his fortune, but like he's got a family. He's got this girl that I, I think that's why I like the pizza scene is it does seem like they've got some sort of connection. And, you know, it would be someone who his father would also disapprove of, but without his father around can pursue um, on his own. Yeah. And it is kind of hinted at that he got her pregnant, right? And just kind of, or is, is, is yeah, and, and married her because yeah. of that. But yeah, yeah I, I think I think it's closing the book i think that last scene is is yeah we you and i have both gotten closure on this let's let's get on with our lives well and it comes back to i mean it ends with the splendor in the grass or line so it's this idea that they're gonna let these memories live on like in their minds yeah but never go back to it and that's i bring this back in to natalie wood's previous um relationship with the the young kid when she was 15 because they apparently said she never talked about that relationship ever again to anyone outside like her close-knit group so when she like did interview she never said she had a boyfriend in high school and even the guy who she dated never told his like wife and kids of like like in 45 years like it never came out that he dated natalie wood (laughs) because apparently they were because apparently they were that close and they loved each other that much they did not want to ruin it or bring anyone else into that memory of somehow. And so it's interesting. And so it kind of tied. And, and Kazan actually said when they were doing the ending scene is that he could tell Natalie would never told him about that relationship, but he could tell like she had experienced something because he didn't give her any direction in that scene. Hmm. That's all her. So there you go um awards the Beatrice straight award actor and actress with, with limited scenes that kills it um i think the sister i think kazan's wife yeah yeah barbara loden mm-hmm. yeah she 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 definitely and i mean story-wise it, it helps that story-wise she is this catalyst for like a lot of the change but her yeah. performance as well is something that that lingers over the movie after she's gone and what's interesting with her, and this kind of comes into play, I, I tie it back to American Graffiti, is that she is a character of a dying time, which is why you find out at the end that she died, like in a car wreck. I think uh, she died in a car wreck, yeah. mm-hmm. or something. Yeah, they say they say a car wreck. Yeah, so it's like it's that she is just like this live fast, die young type character, and when the t- as the time is changing, I, I said this. I think I might said in the previous episode, or I cut it. Some of these movies in coming of age deal with a changing in time, in terms of the time period, or like the beginnings of the changing of norms. And so, certain characters just don't exist in this new time period. Mm-hmm. And so, like a flapper of the twenties that lives fast and drinks and does this. And maybe this is this is probably the pro- one problematic view in this movie is it basically says a character like Jeannie cannot exist outside of the previous era of the 20s. Like, she is a person who becomes affected deeply by the Great Depression and possibly gets addicted to something, if it's alcohol or whatever, and just 
dwindles into madness. And basically what it's kind of saying is that if Deanie, Natalie Wood's character, if she would have continued at that path she started when she cut her hair and started dressing sexy, she would have gone the same way. Mm. Yeah, but I would say Barbara Loden as Jeannie as well. She's a cheese. She's a flirt. You better watch out or you'll get hurt. Oh, good, buddy boy. Now, how about a drink? Huh? Oh, I forgot, buddy boy's in training. What about you, Deanie girl? You want a drink? Hmm? Come on, Deanie. <laughs> Come on, have a little drink. Come on. Or is Deanie girl in training, too? Huh? Lay off, Jenny. Oh, why don't you relax? You're just standing around like a chaperone. Is that what you came out here for, just to chaperone Glenn and me? <laughs> Ain't he pretty, Deanie? Hmm? <laughs> My handsome filling station attendant. Fill me up, please. I'm empty. <laughs> Come on, honey. Let's go for a walk. Yeah, why don't you go for a walk upstairs? Jenny? Why don't you quit trying to pretend you're so pure and righteous? Jenny, if you weren't my if sister... If I weren't your sister, you wouldn't do anything. You never do anything except what Dad tells you. Isn't that right, Deanie? You've been finding that out, haven't you? Just lets things torment him inside and make him miserable, and he never does anything about him. Never does anything. Bye! The Joe Pesci X Factor Award for a supporting actor actress who steals their scenes they're in. Um, I think maybe the father. Yeah, I think Pat Hingle. Yeah. Um, I think that's just he. He has the flashier role than say, Deanie's mother. Mm-hmm. I think Deanie's mother's pretty. Uh, the same throughout the movie and Hangle kind of has the you're seeing this dude like be this rich man and then go rich man to essentially like broke because of the stock market crash where he's invested all of his money in the stock market and oil and when everything happens it it goes to shit basically and it's a it's a, I, I, when we showed it uh at our screening the big thing that people didn't did not expect was that hit him to kill himself yeah i think that it's played really well like i said i wanted to shoot and shout that that scene out again he's he's such a over-the-top person in the beginning especially when you're first introduced to him he's like partying with his with his buddies and um he's so over the top and kind of lewd and loud that that you you don't realize at first at face value that scene in the club that he's he's even more so than you he's even more manic than usual and you don't realize it until in hindsight you're like oh he's 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 broke he's done and he just wants to take his son out for like one more night on the town which like what he thinks is a good time and what bud does not agree with but you know you're watching him being drunk and and stumbling over the, the club and and yelling at everyone and you're like Oh yeah, that's just the way he's been the rest of the movie, and and once he does yeah. commit suicide, you you have this kind of flashback that you're like, oh yeah, that that was more so he was he was he was more over the top than usual. Like he he was definitely he was definitely lost at that point. Yeah, um, yeah, I think he plays that scene really well because he says to Beatty like, when I'm gone, and he goes, well, I'm not kicking off for a very long time. 
it's very foreshadowing that the next scene is that he's he's jumped out of the, the building. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's also it's played well. I think you have a, you have a shot of him looking out the window, and then it's the next morning as it buds waking up and like they never say like oh your father killed himself right. It goes are you are you Bud Stamper and then it cuts to outside and it's the bodies on the ground covered up. Pat Engel, also Commissioner Gordon and Batman. Yep. The f- first four Batman movies. Um, the Gene Hackman MVP award to the the person that wins the movie or a person that carries the movie along. Uh, I think I mean it's got to be Natalie Wood. Okay. Why? Uh, I mean I think definitely to you know like I said I I think there's some some issues in this movie where she and Kazan don't line up in like her performance style and his directing style, but I think by the end of the mm-hmm. movie. I'm, uh she's she's become like the rock in the movie and it's so i agree it, yeah. it, it makes you feel the, the movie in itself is so kind of manic that it it, it feels good to see her stable <laughs> i think and she she plays it incredibly well it, it feels good to see her stable and to see her happy too yeah but um but she plays I... it so well she's she's so at peace at the end it really yeah. it really closes the movie out in a, in a great way and I think she does a really good job of transitioning from this like love struck high school girl and like the scenes when they're like walking in the halls and like she's they're holding hands and walking to class. Mm-hmm. And then you compare that to the ending where she's this more mature, I said mature, refined woman who's grown up. It's a big it's a big shift. And you don't realize until maybe the end of how big of a journey good or bad ups and downs Natalie that, that Danny has gone through Natalie Wood's been able to carry that throughout it, it, and even it, even if it can be melodramatic in moments um I I do think the the second half of the movie is the better half of the movie I think that's be I've support I think it's when the bathtub scene happens onward or maybe the new year the New Year's Eve sequence onward is when everything is kind of starts to click it's very slow early on i think that stuff doesn't work as well and the second half of the movie is what really works the most because you have the ending scene like i said most of my favorite scenes are in that second half Mimi, honey do you think you still love it Bring back the hour of splendor in the grass, glory in the flower. We will grieve not, rather find strength in what remains behind. Final questions. We'll see see how this goes. Uh, If this film was remade today, who do you cast? That one's tough, man, because I don't like, once again, I don't know teenagers these days. (laughs) um early early 20s everyone in this movie is early 20s so yeah oh i I don't know what like the cast of riverdale like (laughs) who's this age oh what's lily reinhardt is the is the uh who's the or who plays in riverdale actually (laughs) i'm thinking now i haven't seen riverdale since the first season so was it camilla mendez yeah yeah she's she's veronica yeah veronica camilla mendez yeah man Th- this is this is the only age group i can't really pick because only like teenage actors i know are like not good <laughs> like i know them because yeah. they're not good 
Um, that's that's so mean. It's I so mean, mean. I, I mean, that's I the mean, whole point of Riverdale, right? <laughs> I mean, that's kind of, it's like it's like pulpy. I don't know. Maybe, hey, maybe that works for this. Who knows? I mean, is, is Florence Pugh too like easy to say? Is that just the one we're gonna put for every teenage character? Yeah, I don't. I don't know who else is. Oh, um, what's the Kieran and Shipka? Okay, okay. I know I'm just throwing names out. I haven't watched any of Sabrina. I mean, she was good. She was great in in Mad Men, and she kind of brought some of that like energy of like I don't know I, what I want out of life. <laughs> I'll 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 buy that. I like. She was also in Feud, which I liked. She's she plays Betty Davis's daughter in that show. All right. Okay. Well, I'm still letting her coast I'll, off of Mad Men energy, but she was she was awesome <laughs> in that. So there you go. She's 20. I okay. I'll buy that. Boom. We'll go with that. Nailed it for, for her. Uh, you got a bud. <laughs> well, what time period are we setting this in? By the way, that's a good question. We're setting it in the 20. It's made made modern day, but set let's, in the 20s. Yeah, let's go with the 20s. Still, I think we should keep it in the 20s. Okay, 20 year old male actor. Who's been who's been good lately? I mean, I I still love um, and you know what? I he's kind of disappeared like last in the last like couple of years. I mean, he's 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 young, so you know he's he'll be fine. But um, I also haven't seen Honey Boy yet, so I I, I can't I can't speak to that. But um, Lucas Hedges. Oh, Lu- Lucas Hedges. Love Lucas Hedges. I okay. I'm not against this. I'm not against this. How old is Lucas Hedges I'm right okay. now? Lucas Hedges, how old are you? <laughs> yeah, send us a voicemail. Tell us how old you are. Twenty three. Uh, Lucas Hedges. Yeah, he's twenty three. She's twenty. I'll I'll go with that. If if they started shooting today, which is going to be impossible in the in the year of COVID. Um. Okay, who do you put for his father? Okay, there we go. Now we're now we're getting into it. <laughs> now we're cooking. He used to be a, a a footballer. Now he's an oil baron uh kyle chandler woody harrelson that makes sense i'd put him yeah i could see that do you have a sister do you have genie genie okay all right kind of late late 20s late 20s yeah mid mid late 20s huh yeah i don't know i don't i don't have anybody on that one off the top of my head i'm trying to think of who would like be their kid yeah yeah who who would be Woody Harrelson's Woody Harrelson's kid. kid and Lucas Hedges's sister. Yeah, I don't know. That one's tough. I'm trying to think. Maybe Florence Pugh. You know what? Yeah, give me Florence <laughs> Pugh in that. Let's go Florence Pugh for that one. Okay, that makes sense. Okay, I think that's fine. I think we're good there. Does this film fit with any other genre um, besides coming of age? I mean, I think it's definitely a melodrama. Would you consider um, melodrama a, a genre? No, no, I don't. And I, I hate that I keep using that word because I really dislike when that's used to like downplay a movie. Um, uh, I definitely I mean, it definitely feels like something outside of coming of age because it's it's not something I would point to immediately and be like, oh, coming of age movie. Um, mm. I mean, it is a, a, like about teenagers and about growing up, but it, it doesn't always feel like like what you, if somebody said hey what's a good coming of age movie this would not be and not not that i don't think it's good um but this would just not be what i think if someone said to you i want to watch a coming of age movie i don't think this would be what they had in mind no i agree with you and on it that. fits yes. into the things you know clashing with your parents the oppressiveness of a small town it fits in with all of that but it's not 
most most of most coming of age movies like most of the ones we talked about last week are are not this dark for sure yeah yeah um again i i I really don't think that changes until last picture show yeah you know that 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 does have darkness to it um i again I, i think you're still in this this era of adults writing how they think kids are yeah and and i think we eventually something that we haven't really talked about but well, I, we did talk about it a little bit with American Graffiti, but something you'll get eventually is that there's I, when I think of coming of age, I do think that there is a celebration of of being that age involved. Yeah. And I don't think this movie has that. This movie does not make it seem pleasant to be a teenager in that time period. And and in every movie, even, you know, as, as pitch black dark as as Last Picture Show is, there are moments of like this this will be the best years of these people's lives yeah um and you 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 get that you get the pain that they're going through and the confusion they're going through but you also see like that pure teenage joy and i don't know that this movie really like brings that and that i think that is and and rebel without a cause definitely doesn't bring that it's all about the yeah the angst and the anguish of being that age without yeah. any of the like positive parts of it i guess yeah yeah uh, but yeah, I don't. I don't know what else. I would just say like straight up drama. I think this is a yeah, this, this a sex drama. Yeah, yeah. I think this <laughs> and maybe a period piece. Uh, yeah. But um. But I, I do think this this devotes itself more to being just a drama for everyone than the later coming of age movies being like, hey, this is hey teenagers out there. This this movie is for you. Like John. Like we'll find yeah. when we when we go on to John Hughes. Um. I think you kind of covered it here, but we'll just reinstate some things again. How does this film fit into the coming of age genre? You said kind of being stuck in your, your hometown or oppressed in your hometown, uh, conflict with parents, sexual repression, sexual yeah, awakening. I mean, I mean virginity well. is definitely, yeah. virginity is something that's going to factor into coming of age movies, like all over. Yeah. Um, we, we didn't talk about it as much last week, but like that is, Time, no matter the time or the place or anything that that's that's yeah. factors into almost all of these coming of age movies that we're talking about i would agree so do you have a final verdict on splendor in the grass i don't know man i gotta sit with it <laughs> i really gotta sit with it it's it, i'm glad i watched it it's extremely interesting and like i said i and, and Beatty especially it's it's wild to see this be his like screen debut First movie. And, yeah, 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 and, yeah and wood as a transition from like teen actress especially in the in the same to drop the same year as west side story is amazing um so yeah like i said i think the cast really shines in this uh like i said with with kazan i i i'm kind of hit and miss with kazan i i love on the waterfront uh streetcar is like a little too much for me sometimes the energy in streetcar is like you know the okay. hey stella and, and, and all of it and i love tennessee williams um but i i kind of prefer some of the more understated takes on his work than than that one so so yeah i, I it's i i'm still not sure where i sit on it's it is a good movie from all technical standpoints oh it is it is a quality film I'm just not sure how I feel about what I'm not sure what the movie is saying. I'm not sure what I take away from the movie necessarily. And I need to keep sitting on that. Okay. Um, yeah, it would be real quick. It would begin kind of the beginning of Natalie Wood's like Renaissance in a way she would do this movie, West side story the same year. She did a movie called gypsy, which was the adaptation of the, the Broadway musical, 
Um, she did Love with the Proper Stranger, which was she was nominated for her third and final Oscar about a a young woman who is trying to get an abortion in a time when abortions are not legal. Um, but yeah, she can, she ends up being like named like one of the most popular stars of the 1960s and has this huge run of movies and, and award nominations and then just kind of kind of stops acting around uh, 1969 with Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice and then doesn't do much after that. But like for a, a brief like eight year period, she's one of the hottest actresses, one of the hot, hottest star movie stars in Hollywood. Um, so that's the end of our Splendor in the Grass episode. Hopefully you've checked that before listening to it. If you haven't, go check it out on HBO Max around on Amazon. For the rest of the month, we're going to have, uh, we're doing next week, the plan is to do Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. And then we're doing Lady Bird. And then our final episode for the month is on John Hughes. Um, make sure you stay tuned for that. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and Stitcher. Give us a rating, give us a review. That would be very helpful. We want to hear what you guys think, especially with this kind of new type of show we're doing with these month series you can find us on twitter and facebook and instagram and make sure you're looking at what we're doing on medium with our writings um yeah i think that's it thomas as always thank you so much for coming on for sure dude and discussing a movie you're you're confused about i'm still picking through it thanks everyone for listening to me (laughs) digest my thoughts on this yeah um guys thank you so much for listening we hope you listen to more episodes soon bye